You're listening to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Gerard with space, pumps it towards Barosh. He's been tipped through it. The goalkeeper made contact. Luis Garcia was in front of the line. Gas hooked it away. Goal! The first goal of the semi final is a Liverpool goal. And it's come down to Drogba, who this time is the fifth penalty taker for Chelsea in the final shootout. Spurs won 3-1 in the London Derby with Fulham. Harry Kane breaking his August goal-scoring drought on that one. Chelsea won a wild shootout at the bridge, 3-2 over Arsenal. Another disappointing day for Unai Emery. Insert Arsene Wenger out joke here. Manchester City lambasted Huddersfield Town 6-1 before Brighton and Hove Albion gave us enough banter for a year's worth against Manchester United when the Seagulls beat the Red Devils 3-2. And tonight on the first Monday Night Football of the year, Liverpool went on the road to Palace and won 2-0 in what further cements how good of a defender Virgil van Dijk is. Welcome to the Ghost School Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro in here with the one and only Alex Moss. What up, what up? What a week. What a weekend, my friend. Uh, and we did talk about it. Shout out to our third member, Javier. Uh, he's not in punishment. He just couldn't make recording tonight. He pussied we out. Didn't, we he didn't, pussied out. Yeah, he he well, didn't want to take his beating like a man, so he pussied out. I'll get him on a Wednesday. I'll get him in the next pod, though. I know you would. Uh, there, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, and, and before... Alex, I'm going to give you a choose-your-own-adventure. Do you want me to get really angry, or do you want me to get really sad? Uh, let's start angry. All right. So... As you know, recently moved to New York. Uh, I mean, it's not as recent, but whatever. In New York, don't have cable at this apartment. I have the internet, obviously. Duh. Oh, you millennial, you. You cord cutter, you. Yes. Don't have cable. So I go to watch my games on Saturday and Sunday on my Xbox. NBC Sports has an app on Xbox where you can watch every sport that they carry. You know, like various various the Olympics. football games, hockey games, the Olympics, etc. That'll be useful once every two years. <laughs> right, exactly. NBC has the Premier League, so it's like, yeah, I'll just you know stream the game just through NBC Sports like I do on my Xbox, like I do through the computer. Nope. Doesn't work that way. For every other sport, you can watch that, but not the Premier League. And it doesn't even have the damn replays. It's like I couldn't wake up this morning. Like this morning, I wanted to, to kind of catch up on some parts of Chelsea Arsenal that I missed. Nope. Can't do it on my Xbox. Can't do it on my 32-inch TV. Have to do it on my maybe-a-foot-long fucking computer, which I can't see from bed on Sunday night when I'm just trying to, like, lay back, not hate my life for the fact that I'm about to go back to work in the morning. No, I have to sit at my fucking desk and watch the game on my computer like like a fucking poor person. Like, like a poor person, like, exactly. Andrew. Like a poor person. This is bullshit. I have to go out and go order a fucking Chromecast because I need to be able to stream from my laptop to to my computer or from my laptop to my TV. This is bullshit. I don't know what extra dollar or two NBC had to pay the Xbox so that this would work on the Xbox app. But this is this is horseshit. Just just absolute like 
Ugh. I don't want to get too far away from soccer, but I'll dive into it a little bit just by saying that it just seems like some certain companies are just trying to fight like progression and basically us millennials cord cutters from doing things the way we want to do things. So they're doing that by basically just blocking off this option, which is perfectly like reasonable to have. Meanwhile, there's companies like Google who've gone ahead and invented that like a fucking Chromecast, which like it, which is exactly what we want from, uh, from our home, home entertainment these days. So I think eventually if we complain enough, People will change. They will give us what we want, Andrew. We just need to be vocal. I'm going to take one more quick shot at NBC because I don't pay for NBC Sports Gold. And, like, I still have my – the way I have my cable hookup, it's, it's through my parents. It might also be, like, it might also be cable, though, that's uh, the cable companies that are mandating this from their uh, the, the providers. But if I'm paying for NBC Sports Gold so that I can watch every Premier League game and there wasn't an app to stream it on the Xbox, I generally would be even more pissed. Like, you're paying an extra $50 per season to watch matches, and, and they don't have a damn Xbox app set up? That is amateur hour. Absolutely yeah, amateur Yeah, for sure. Hour. All right, let's, let's get a little sad. Um, uh, I, I want to fade up the music. We're, we're going to fade it up. It's, it's officially time to retire. Harry Kane can't score in August. I think they were old like a year ago, <laughs> to be honest. Like when people were making those jokes a year ago, I was kind of like, oh, is it still okay we're making these jokes? But then it kind of became a meme, so. It was it was always going to be funny until until it happened. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of like Spurs winning a trophy. You know, it's it's always going to be funny until it until it actually happens. What, what if and, he like never scores again in August? Would it be funny then? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel like I feel like we need two to three years of him not scoring in August for it to become a thing. Again. Kane jokes are back on the menu, boys. <laughs> August <laughs> jokes are back on. <laughs> no, but but this this was a big viral moment for the Premier League, and and frankly, I'm really disappointed in the Spurs fans that I follow on Twitter because frankly, if I was a Spurs fan, you would have thought that like we want to we want to. A, a trophy, I would have been marching in through the streets of Twitter that on Saturday. I, I'm really disappointed in all of you, all four or five of you that I can actually stomach. <laughs> uh, but let's let's talk about Spurs, who do start off Saturday morning with a 3-1 victory over Fulham. First, the first of two big London derbies on, on Saturday, uh, might I say. Lucas Mora opens the scoring in the 43rd minute. Mitrovic pulled it back for Fulham in the 52nd. Kieran Trippier with absolute peach possibly better than his free kick goal at the world cup but yes a free kick goal nonetheless in the 74th minute and three minutes later harry kane like i said gets his first of the season i guess you might as well pick him up in fantasy um alex what did you think of spurs on their uh, on their day it, it was a struggle at times uh fulham didn't look like they were just gonna lay down and uh take a beating you know it did take until just before halftime to for tottenham to break the deadlock but, you know, credit to Fulham. Obviously, they got their equalizer pretty early in the second half. They, they they gathered in the locker room and came out looking a lot better. And while there obviously are still pretty big issues there in terms of, like, the level Fulham are at as a team, there's obviously a ton of new uh, signings to, to sort of blame for that and obviously the jump up in overall level. But it was right around, like, just after they scored the equalizer that they kind of started to drop off. And you started feeling them almost react to the, the the point that was now on the table for them. Like, they, oh, this is going to be a good result for us, a point away at Tottenham, which, you know, if you sit deep long enough against Tottenham uh, away, it's, they're, they're going to they're gonna break through eventually. And 
I was so shocked to see Trippier actually take the free kick. We'll talk about it in a little bit, Same. how uh, good of a free kick taker Christian Eriksen is. But like, I, I was just surprised to see him step down. I mean, it must have been off the back of that uh, semifinal goal that he scored in the World Cup. Uh, the, the team must all – or what do you mean, what's his name? Um, Pochettino. Mauricio Pochettino. Pochettino must trust him now. And uh, that was, <laughs> I think that was definitely better than the one he scored in the World Cup. Uh, no, no one in the world was going to save that, and I think there was a slight error to blame for the uh, the for Subasic on the uh, World Cup goal. Yeah, I, that one was great. I mean, uh, and this is something uh, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to it. Are you worried about Fulham? No, not really. Um, they've got like they've got like a one issue that I think will fix itself just as the team starts to become more settled is Tom Kearney in midfield. He's like a good player to have on the ball, and he's definitely got quality to like help them in attack. But when you're like when you're a team of like Fulham stature, when you're going to be approaching a lot of these games where you're not going to have the ball for a lot of time, it kind of yeah, you kind of ask the question like, can you afford to have a player like that in your midfield? But the other two players are uh, Angisa, the uh, thirty million pound sign they just signed from uh, Marseille, and uh, obviously Jean Michel Seri. Uh, those players are going to have to do a lot of work in a new league that's unfamiliar to them too to sort of make up for Kearney's deficiencies in midfield. So that's one thing to probably keep an eye on. But I, I think I think they'll eventually figure it out. There's there's just too much quality in this team to to not. And if and if uh, Slavisa Jukanovic isn't able to figure it out himself, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in like by the end of September, if they're not like sort of getting in the right direction, you start to hear the Jukanovic out rumors. Yeah, that one will be interesting. I'm looking at this team, this team setup here for Spurs, right? They, what would you call this formation? Would you call it a three-four-three? Would you call it a three-four-two-one? Uh, I mean, you've got you've got three center backs out there in Alderweireld, Sanchez, and Vertonghen, Trippier, and Davies on the wings, and then your other five players out there: are Christian Eriksen, Eric Dyer, Lucas Mora, and Deli Ali and Harry Kane. That's an incredibly well-balanced Tottenham team. Like, there's a lot that team can do, and at time, and you know that Dyer can stay home. If I mean, there were a lot of talks about Dembele's future. He could potentially still find himself leaving to go to the continent. He obviously came on in this game. But I, I actually really like that, that lineup for Spurs, in particular if Deli Alli can find the form from a couple years ago. Yeah, there's just there's. I think it's it's not much changed, obviously, in past years. Where Tottenham just have a really diverse group of players who can play in all sorts of positions. You know, they the three or four they have like three or four players, uh, including Eric Dyer, who can slot in in a back three and play pretty well defensively. Even though Dyer usually tends to play more midfield, they have four pretty good wingbacks in Davis, Rose, Trippier, and Aurier that. Aurier last week was playing balls into Deli Alley, then providing assists there. They bring on Trippier, and he's got the technical ability to score a free kick like that. There's there's a lot of quality uh, to like here, and the, and obviously the one we haven't talked about yet is uh, Lucas Mora taking his chance uh, in, in in replacing Min Sun effectively in sort of like his role in the team while Son is away at the Asia Games, and he took his goal absolutely beautifully. The Trippier goal is probably going to be the one that makes everyone overlook. Uh, Moore's goal itself, but that that game was very very well balanced, and it, it needed a really good effort like that for Tottenham to take control. 
All right, so I don't want to get into it today, but something that we've done on the podcast previously is we talked about our top five free kick takers in the Premier League, and I'm officially ready to put Kieran Trippier on mine. We're, like I said, we're not going to do this today, and we also want to open that up to all of our listeners. So if you want to get your five out there, go ahead and submit them at Ghost Gold Pod on Twitter, at Andrew Pissarro, at ASMoss92. Um, yeah, go ahead and share yours. We'll talk about them either in the pod coming up later in the week or sometime next week. So, but possibly goal of the weekend for me. Uh, there's another one that, that needs to be up there, but let's jump to the other London Derby. Chelsea 3-2 over Arsenal. Pedro getting the early goal in the ninth minute. Morata goal on a counter in the 20th minute. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan in the 37th. Awobi in the 41st. And then Marcus Alonso in the 81st minute to get the winner for Chelsea. Uh, real back and forth game. Uh there was some sort of record about Chelsea having not lost after going up 2-0 that was a little bit at, at doubt, but they get the points that they need. Arsenal still pointless on the season. Uh, this was, a this was as a neutral, I had so much fun watching this Oh, I this bet game. you did. <laughs> as a Chelsea you know, fan. I'm sweating my balls off over here. <laughs> It was uh, yeah. I went. It was the first Arsenal Chelsea match I've watched with Javier since they beat us three 0 at the Emirates two years ago. And uh, I vowed after that day, I was like, "That's it. I'm never watching Arsenal Chelsea with Javier ever again. It's a bad omen." Uh, I'm not usually suspicious, but uh, that one stayed with me for a while. But then we went on this run of games against Arsenal where I don't. Th- I think we beat them like once after that, and like we're winless in six or seven games against them. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, might as well. Go and watch another match with them. See how it goes. We might get destroyed. Who knows? I, the, the last time Arsenal beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge was in 2011 when Andre Villas-Boas had like just been uh, hired during the, the offseason to take over at Chelsea. He had been been an assistant under Jose Mourinho a few years before, and everyone had like a lot of promise and was thinking, oh, this is the time with like our promising new manager who won the Europa League at Porto and did so did so well there. He's going to turn us into a possession attacking team, and we're going to romp the league with all of our with all of our talent. And instead of doing that, he alienated players like Drogba and Lampard uh, in, in favor of younger and technically more gifted players. And we did terribly. And and that game specifically, Arsenal beat us five three. They had a million chances, took took all of them, uh, if you couldn't tell. And it was high scoring and entertaining to everyone. But we lost five three at home to Arsenal, which. At Chelsea, if you're a Chelsea fan, that just doesn't happen. Now, obviously, later that season, Villas-Boas was fired. Di Matteo took over, or we won the Champions League that same season. So that's kind of a footnote to Chelsea fans. But that game was really fresh on my mind going into this game. I was just kind of su- I was surprised by how, how easily it could have gone that same way had Arsenal just taken those chances. Because there were, there were a lot of really glaring misses. Like, I'm not talking about, like, half chances that quality players should just be putting away. I'm talking about open goal glaring misses from very high percentage cutbacks from the from the byline. Like the you have to put those chances away. And Aubameyang's at fault for two of them. Mkhitaryan's at fault for one of them. And I think Iwobi also managed to uh, join in. Now, two of those players scored. So maybe you can say, oh, that's okay. But the game, you don't know how exactly the game would go had, had some of those chances uh, been put in, like how it would have differed from the, obviously how it ended up. But you'd like to think Arsenal would probably be up at halftime, at least like 3-1, maybe like 3-2 or something. And the game's very much more in their control, control, and they don't have to be as sort of reactive to what Chelsea were doing for the for the majority of the game. 
Yeah, uh, there were times in this game that I was impressed with both teams, and there were times in this game where I was like, really? They're, they're, that's their defending? Right. Um, and I will say, uh, I criticized Arsenal last week for the, the 11 that they ran out, and I liked this one better. Um, I think this could be the year of Iwobi. I think this team has the setup where he's going to be given an extended run out and might actually be able to do something. Um, Granite Jock is trash. <laughs> Should not be starting in this league. Uh, and I don't know about trash, so, but like I feel, I feel like with him what you need to do to sort of like accommodate him in your team isn't really worth it for what he brings you. But yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stand by trash. Um, really unimpressed with Socrates and Mustafi so far. Uh, the center back play has been piss poor for a lack of a better term. Um, but what I, what I will say, and, and I, I want to ask you a Chelsea question in a second, but I wouldn't be as worried about Arsenal as 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 much as like I am criticizing them right now. I think that they just had the toughest back-to-back stretch that they're probably going to have for the next couple months. Emery's new in the league. You've got some big pieces that are new in the league. I think when the dust settles, they'll be okay. But what is I, okay? Is what I, is okay? Is that top four? Because that's what Arsenal fans want, so that means everything's not okay. I think this is going to be a big year of transition for them. I think this is going to be a year where they, where Emery is is figuring out. I can work with this. I can't work with this. Kind of, you know how Klopp came in and like learning his team, Liverpool. Exactly. This is going to be a season like that where you just pray that this team can do something in the Europa League. I think that they will be okay. I don't think they will be a force to be reckoned with for an entire season. I don't think that they're going to be a team that you're – I think that they're going to have their weeks where they'll get upset by a team severely inferior to them. Um, I mean, that sounds a lot like the last two or three years. But I think they're going to be moving in a direction that they weren't before. Yeah, I think this is a team that has the ability to like take the next step. You know, I think they're going to start building more around a Mikatarian, more around an Awobi than necessarily a Mesut Ozil. And, and I think once we get the combination of Guendouzi and Torreira, uh, that yeah, has to be it. I think that that's that's the the big change. And I think that you know, Arsene Wenger brought in Mesut Ozil. Unai Emery has no loyalty to him. I think once he, he yanked him with like 25, 30 minutes stuff to play. That was that was the, yeah. when I was sitting there with Javier. We were sitting there calling our own team substitutions, and I got I think all three of mine right. Javier said going into halftime, we have to get Xhaka off and we have to get Ozil off, and we uh, the commercials end and the first thing they show uh, going before the kickoff of the second half was Torreira getting ready to come on, and we're just like ah. Oh, Emery, this is such an improvement over Wenger, like learning from his mistakes, noticing which players are actually being a detriment to the team and the, the overall result and doing something about it when and not doing it with like five or 10 minutes left to play, doing it with a full half and with the game back even. So that, yeah, I agree with you. There's some good uh, signs to take from this, uh, from these opening two games for Arsenal. 
Let's jump over to the Chelsea side. So I got more of a chance to watch them this week than I did last week. And I know you talked about it, but this Angolo Conte further up the pitch thing is it's really it's very different. And I, I don't know if I particularly like it yet. It's been successful so far. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I will say I think next week has to be the week that Hazard starts. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, yeah, he said but he said himself after the game. He didn't. The people, some people took it like menacingly, like, "Oh, sorry, must start me, or I'm going to get upset." But it was more like, "Okay, I've come on and played well in two substitute appearance. Now I'm I'm ready to start. <laughs> like, let's do this." Yeah, uh, I am a little. I am so far like, I think Ross Barkley. There, there might be something there. I think. I think. Yeah, but maybe... did you see Matteo Kovacic when he came on? Like, I, I think that could be a good thing for him, though. <laughs> Playing with other players at a top level, making him earn it, making him have to go prove it. I think a sense of competition is an important thing to a player like that. Ross Barkley is looking the- at that 25 or 30-minute cameo that Kovacic had at the end of the, the game there. And he's thinking to myself, if I probably get picked next week against uh, Newcastle... I have to like fully affect the game. I have to like impact the game with a goal and assist something, some sort of change. Because right now, Ross Barkley, I think he's he's a good player, but he's just sort of like playing safe where he's not giving the ball away, which is good. We need that at the minute. But yeah, if, from that third midfielder position, if Conte is going to be the one uh, doing a lot of like the pressing and breaking play up high up the field, and Jorginho is going to be the one creating from deep. There has to be more of a goal threat from that third position or someone who can combine and open up opportunities for the actual goal threats in Hazard and obviously Morata and Pedro. And Barkley, I'd say he's like a C-plus in his performance or like a B-minus so far. But I'm telling you, that that 25-minute cameo from Kovacic, the way he moves on the ball, he is he's going to be something special. I'm really, really excited about him. And I don't even know if it's going to lead to goals and assists necessarily, just sort of like his ability to know when to sit deep when Conte and Jorginho start to burst forward. He knows when to take the ball and, and take the players on by himself. I, I, didn't, I wasn't really aware of how good he was with the ball at his feet dribbling at players. He looks like he can almost play out in the wing at times. And you had that ability next to someone like Eden Hazard. You saw them combine for a couple of like back heel flicks to each other immediately and get, just being so dangerous. And immediately the Arsenal defense just looked like Oh God, we've just played 60 to 70 minutes and now we have to face this? Like now we have to deal with these guys who are fresh? What the hell do we do? And obviously Hazard ended up uh, having the assist that uh, that won the game for us. So it was it was a really promising uh, look at, uh, at least offensively, the things to come with this Chelsea team. All right, let's jump over to Sunday. We'll start with... Manchester City, who get a 6-1 victory over Huddersfield. A hat-trick for Sergio Aguero. Plot twist. Sergio Aguero, pretty good at soccer. Uh, scores who knew? In the 25th minute to 30. Yeah, who knew? It's 35th minute, 75th minute. Gabriel Jesus get on get on the score sheet in the 31st. Uh, Huddersfield did score in the first half. Uh, Jan Gorik Stankovic in the 73rd minute. And David Silva with an incredible free kick. Uh, in the 48th minute, potentially goal of the weekend, and Congolo with the own goal in the 84th minute. The own goal after. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You had the to future, do it. The future Honestly, dad in me had to do it. 
<laughs> if you didn't do it, I kind of would have been mad at you because I didn't pick it up at all. So I'm really glad you ran with it. This is, I mean, this, I, is I, this is the chemistry. I get plenty plenty of practice with going Ngolo all the time when he he, he scores. Ngolo scores a Golo. That, that's this is fine. This is the type it's in, of chemistry. It's in my it's in my vocabulary for a while at this point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is nothing short of just an absolute beatdown for Manchester City. Now, I didn't get to watch this game live, but I watched a 10-minute run out of, of the highlights, and all it was was just all the Manchester City players down by the Huddersfield box just throwing in balls. Uh, and also, I really forgot how good Benjamin Mendy was, even though I had, had him in my fantasy team the last who, couple of weeks. Benjamin Mendy, who would have thought? Really good. Yeah. <laughs> also, also very good at soccer. Uh, I, I mean, for God's sakes... This Manchester City team is so deep that they didn't start Leroy Sané, Raheem Sterling, or Riyad Mahrez. All three of those were bought for like at least 45 million pounds individually, if not beyond more. All three of them didn't start, and they still scored six fucking goals. And like they like, didn't, he didn't need to rotate them. He, there, no, there's he didn't. no game. They didn't have a game before this in midweek. They don't have a game after this. He literally just could have stuck with the same team. He's it's almost like he's playing with his food where he's just like, oh, I just want to try something else uh, new out against this relegation candidate who, honestly, Huddersfield didn't help themselves. I I was watching the game. I was thinking to myself, the first three of these goals are completely preventable. They're just goalkeeper mistakes from Ben Hamer, uh, Leicester's new signing, who, much to my surprise in that first game against Chelsea, started... Um, even though they did sign Jonas Losel, their like goalkeeper from last year, to like a permanent deal, I thought he would be back in goal after this. I thought maybe he was just unfit or something like that. And uh, Hamer's back in again, commits three terrible errors. I won't dive into every single goal, but if you go back and watch it, I'm sure you can pick out uh, two or three errors from the keeper on each uh, each one. And then the, the first like really quality goal that you look at from this game, you think, oh, there's nothing that uh, Huddersfield could have done about that, was was David Silva's free kick, which I had never seen him do something like that before. I figured maybe from, like, closer distances, he had the ability to place it in corners, but that was from, like, good 30-plus yards out. That was... You had, you had to get a lot behind that, a lot of pace and velocity on the ball to, to, to beat the keeper from that distance. Coutinho-esque, one would say. David Silva is just an older, shitter, left-footed Philippe Coutinho. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, but he hasn't hurt me emotionally the same way, so <laughs> I like watching him more. Also, shout-out to David Silva, whose infant son, Mateo, was able to, to be in attendance for this match. I don't know if you guys remember last year when Silva missed a lot of time uh, due to Mateo's birth prematurely, so really happy to see him out there. Um, but, yeah. This t- oh yeah, you know who they all- who else they didn't start because he's injured? Kevin De Bruyne. Yep, no big yeah. deal. Yeah, no big no deal. big deal at all. No big deal. Um, kind of a three five two at times, but I mean, I don't hate this formation for for Manchester City. I think this could be something that they fuck around with. For a this while. is my this was my formation, or it still is. It's like my formation in FIFA when I choose to go like super attacking with the the two center forwards. The two attacking midfielders right behind them, two wing backs, and just one defensive midfielder covering. Like you're just screaming at yourself, like, like I don't care about defense. <laughs> I just don't care. And Pep Guardiola was just like, "Oh, this is Huddersfield. I'm not threatened one bit by them. I'm just going to throw on this uber attacking formation and just see how we uh, how, how we do with it." And I'm sure you'll see something similar to that. Uh, 
in, in a game against a low quality opposition or a low quality opponent in the future. All right, let's jump over to the surprise. Let's jump over to the surprise of the weekend, which was Brighton beating Manchester United 3-2. Glenn Murray in the 25th minute, Duffy in the 27th, Lukaku pulls one back in the 34th, a gross penalty in the 44th, and a Paul Pogba penalty in the 88th is how it ended. Uh, I just want to shout out, fuck you, Paul Pogba, and your stupid run-up. Like, I really don't like his penalty. Dude, I think you like, just like, don't like Paul Pogba because... Well, yes, that's an <laughs> actual that's, thing, but like... I think that's like, more the issue here. If somebody on Liverpool was doing that run-up, I would tell them the same thing. It is so dumb. It's like... Do you a, hate like Jorginho a, like a for doing a little... Shimmy? Do you hate Jorginho for doing a skip before his uh, he takes his penalties? I haven't seen it, so I can't hate it yet. It's really fun to watch, actually. He does like a little quick run-up, and then he jumps right before, and then just hits it as he lands. It's the weirdest thing to watch. I see... I think that would be okay. This like Pogba, but because it's like, Pogba sl- doing something different. It, well, no, it's it's like it's like a slow shimmy run up, and then like halfway through, he actually decides to. Well, run. no, he's and literally like, just playing a game of uh, of chicken with the goalkeeper. He's literally just keeping his eye on the keeper, saying, "I'm going to wait for you to make a decision. I'm going to take my time running up to this." And if the goalkeeper, if he sees in the goalkeeper's eyes that he's going one way, then he just immediately breaks out into a sprint, like he did for that for that uh, penalty. And just goes the other way. <laughs> like, I think it's actually kind of a, a, a interesting and creative way to take uh, penalties. It's uh, he, he's he hasn't missed yet, so fair play to him. That's fair. That's fair. But Manchester United missed a lot of things this weekend. It was a W. What did you think of them? I, actually, I didn't think much of United at all. I just thought a lot of Brighton because they played really, really well and. They had a good mix of uh, knowing when to pressure the ball higher up the pitch. There were times where United didn't look like they could break even sort of like a medium press where they would just sort of get to just before midfield and they would just run out of ideas. That's, I, I know it's the second game of the season, but it's, it's not like there's like a huge like continuity issue in this United team. They should know the basic channels that they want to play out of and, and progress the ball up. Didn't help that Paul Pogba was giving the ball away a lot in midfield early in the match. Didn't help that there were some, uh, there were some poor decisions just by United players all over the field on the ball, trying to play one touch passing with each other from about like 15 to 20 yards away from each other all at all times, maybe even further. I might be messing my distances up there. You know, they just weren't close enough to each other in, in tight areas in, in possession. They didn't look like they had like the confidence to do that. They, they wanted to like get further away from the ball so that they could offer an option for, uh, from the, their teammate being pressed. But instead that just made the pass more difficult and they weren't able to, to consistently have like a high accuracy in their passes. So that's a pretty big issue. But then when Brighton play as well as they did, which I was interested to see that they only had one player uh, in their starting 11 for this match that is a new signing. They, uh, they, they bought all these new players in Jan Bakash and uh, the one who did start was the right back Martin Montoya, who they bought from Valencia. He's a pretty good player, but it just kind of shows you that uh, that they're going to be, or what's his name, Chris Hewton is going to be willing to go back to the players that did it for him last season to sort of get like the, the win they really needed because they did lose their opening game of the season at Watford. So it, it was kind of an important game for them to have like a good showing at home in there uh, and get their first points on the board. So that, that was really impressive. Like I've been shitting all over Glenn Murray and saying you're not getting 10 to 15 goals from Glenn Murray again when I when I talk about Brighton but 
he comes out and has probably one of the silkiest finishes of the uh, of the weekend on, for that first goal. It was oh, yeah, that was so yeah, nice. nice little just side of the foot touch to just sort of guide it past uh, De Gea. That's you dream of that goal as a center forward. It was beautiful to watch. I don't want to like have the Mourinho conversation too early, right? I, Why I do you think I'm not talking about it? Be, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Um, but Eric Bailly looked awful suspect on Saturday, on Sunday, and Lindelof didn't look much better. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Mourinho is entirely to blame for all of Manchester United's problems, but he's certainly not innocent. Uh, they've got to they've got to turn this around next weekend. I think I think home against Tottenham. They need at least a draw, at least like. I, I, we talked about it in the preview pods. There's just a lot of negativity around. Win. I don't know what you're talking about. They need to win that game. They just lost away at Brighton for the second time in the span of like five months or four months, whatever it was. Something's got to change at United. And I don't know if it's got to be a players-only meeting or Mourinho just figuring it out. But I will say in defense of Bay, I don't think like he his his mistakes were the ones that cost them he's just playing like the aggressive uh active center back who likes to go out and challenge players and make tackles that's like what that's what makes him great and he was sort of reacting to his teammates mistakes i think at times where ashley young doesn't quite like cover the overlap on the first goal uh or gets beaten and uh fred doesn't cover the overlap for the first goal and instead by has to come rushing out from his center back position and leaves the front post area open for Murray to sort of ghost in. That's 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 what Bai is is trained to do. He's you're just you're just like letting him off the leash and go out there and win tackles. He's he, that's what he's best at. I wouldn't want him not doing that. So uh, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna defend Bai a little bit there. Do you know what's going on with um, Matic? I don't. I thought he would be back for this game. Uh, Pereira, the midfielder who started for them last week instead of midfield, uh, retained his position next to Fred. You know, that's at the end of the day, that's a that's a new midfield basically with only Pogba yeah. in there. So, I guess you could maybe uh, look to to that sort of fresh midfield and uh, blame the growing pains on that. Maybe I don't know if I'm them. I'm I'm talking about bringing Herrera and maybe even McTominay back in for next week. I think I think you need a little bit more chemistry because I don't think Fred's really ready for the Premier League just yet. You would take out Fred, not really... Pereira? I would take out Pereira. I think I think I think Pereira more so than Fred, but I, I would take out both. Fred, you just signed I, for I, fifty I million or whatever it was. But if he's not playing well, we just talked about it. They need to win against Tottenham. Yeah, I guess so. I, I didn't I didn't look at, at him as one of the strong suits in that midfield on, on Sunday. Yeah, I guess so. Let's jump over to Monday where Liverpool got a two nil victory over Crystal Palace little contentious at times, not the most pretty debut, uh, not the most pretty performance from Liverpool, who run at the same team. A uh, couple players I continue to be impressed with would again be Joe Gomez, and Naby Keita was, oh my god, was he fun to watch today. Um, disappointing day from Mohamed Salah, who failed to get on the score sheet, but James Milner got the first goal, a penalty from Mabadou Sako on Mohamed Salah, and then... Sadio Mane with the winner towards the end of the match. Um, it wasn't a winner, but, you know, it wrapped yeah, things well, up, the, the, to say the least. Yes, wrapped, wrapped things up, I think, yes. That would be a more correct term. 
Um, Virgil van Dyke was massive. Allison actually had to do something this game more than a more than a couple fantastic saves, including one on a free kick, which was really good. Um, when Alden played well again in the in the holding midfield role until Henderson came on in the second half, um, I'm starting to get a little little sick and tired of waiting for. Fabinho to play. I thought this would have been the game where he would have come in, and he didn't. Um, I also thought that Cla- like Roberto Firmino and Salah just seemed off today. Like Salah had two or three chances where last year he scores that goal, and I, I you know, he can't have a great day at the park every week. Um, but I thought Klopp would have made maybe made some changes. A little bit early, before, like he did bring on Daniel Sturridge towards the end of the game. I thought he would have brought him on earlier so that maybe he could have scored a goal or created a goal that would have just cemented the result and they could have gotten out of Palace with a little bit more breathing room. But I was totally pleased with the 2-0 victory. Like I said, Van Dyke was massive. Um, and there was there was a red card in the 75th minute from uh, Aaron Van Bissake. Uh, could you Zaka? could you butcher that anymore? <laughs> yes, Aaron, it's I literally could. phonetic. It's Aaron Juan Bissaka. <laughs> there we go. You know, learn something new every day. Uh, who got sent off for a? Wasn't really so much a tackle when you look at the. He had to do it. Like it you're, you're in that position as a defender, you're last minute, and it's no, the I'm, Premier League record goal scorer. You have to bring him down and take the red. Right. It, Right. Uh, it was more of a push than a tackle because he never got the ball, but there was enough contact, and and Salah was in front. It was in front of him. He was behind Salah, and I mean there there was like we got asked on Twitter by Tone if this was if if this was definitely a red card, and I, I watched the highlight like, now. No doubt. I I didn't actually catch the full tackle because I was at work at the time and I, I we had the game on in in the studio but you know I'm not going to say that I, I watched every second of that game I watched I watched like a good 80% of it while I was doing my job properly it, it was but it was a red card <laughs> it was it was it was a red card uh I know Mohamed Usaka wants to go home and be bitter about the the tackle that he put in on on Mohamed Salah in the first half that led to Milner's penalty but that also definitely a penalty um, yeah, that one, I, I could see why people were sort of upset with Salah about that. But there was a foul. And it was just like once yeah. he felt the contact and he felt himself being tripped, he just kind of had to like drop to the ground because that's the only way you're going to get a penalty called. You know, so I, I, I'm not mad about that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't ca- characterize it as a dive. The kids who are going running at defenders and then just throwing themselves to the ground before the contact's even made, that's diving. This is not diving. Yeah, no, um... Yeah, I, I thought Palace, it, I was, there was like a, a short period of time where I was a little worried about Palace, but for the most part, with the way the defense played all day, I never got that really bad Liverpool fan anxiety of, oh shit, we're going to concede, oh shit, we're going to concede. Right. Like, I'm not saying those days are gone. the Van Dyke effect. But, yeah, and I mean, I thought, Allison. I don't think. I don't think Nathaniel Klein is earning his spot back because I not. thought Trent Alexander, Trent Alexander Alda had another great day at, at the office. Uh, he's certainly not going to go play on the left for, for for Andrew Robertson. Joe Gomez is cementing center back right now perfectly in my mind. I think he had another fantastic performance, and I think his pace helps him. Uh, Joel Matip on the bench. Dayon Lovren still not available, coming back from some sort of stomach issue that was picked up towards the end of the World Cup. 
uh, even though he just got called back into the. No, it's just a really bad hangover from the parades after the World Cup. <laughs> Honestly, if you said that, I'd be okay with <laughs> that. Like, the guy deserves yeah. it. Um, <laughs> like, you see, I, I can't remember who it was, but some other Croatian player during one of the like uh, celebrations in like a square in Zagreb. The thousands of fans in the square that like he grabs the mic and just says, we're so drunk right now, obviously in Croatian. <laughs> it's just like a- a- openly talking about it. And everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> again, deserved it. Uh, Christian Benteke, again, failing to do something against his former club, which I thought was was funny to me. I wasn't impressed by Palace. I wasn't. But I wouldn't say that, like, oh, this team isn't good enough to do anything. I yeah, think they were in the game. Walked in they were there. in the game for sure. They were in the game. They were in the game. They they created some chances. They put shots on goal. Like maybe not a lot, but they did put in some shots. I just think that this Liverpool team right now is is they. I knew they were going to hit the ground running, and I, I had heard good things about people who saw them in the preseason that they were they were revved up and ready to go. And I I just see this Crystal Palace team is not as a team who's at the same. You know everything's clicking at this point in time for them. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that, that this was this was. They made Liverpool work for this a lot more than they had to work for it last week against West Ham. I I will say yeah that. to say the least. My, but I also I mean there were there were also two to three chances that Mohamed Salah should have scored on, and I think Firmino should have came off earlier. But when you these are the type of games you know that like I, I was much happier watching them against West Ham last week. But this is the type of game that maybe a year and a half ago we're not getting a result. This is this is a game a year and Couldn't a half agree ago more. where. When we're up one nil, and that's when Palace hits that free kick, or when Fa- when or when Palace scores off one of the corners, we just looked more disciplined in the defensive third, frankly, than Liverpool have ever been in my entire Liverpool fandom, as short as that is, as as you all know. Uh, I just have confidence that about this team that at least against some of these smaller teams, maybe not against City or or potentially Arsenal or Chelsea later in the season that we're uh that we're going to be okay. And you know what's uh you know what's a big thing for us? Jamie Vardy got a red card in his <laughs> Leicester game and is going to miss the Liverpool Leicester game and he always scores. Yeah, no, he always scores against all of the top 6. He's got a good record against them. Yeah, no, that's uh I, I guess that's something takeaway. Um yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just point the spotlight back on Allison and Van Dyke because obviously those are the two main uh, <laughs> influxes into your defense that have sort of coincided with this turnaround in uh, your defensive fortunes. Like, haven't you guys like not conceded in the league at home since like January or February or something? Yeah, something like, like a, that. A great, yeah. like a very good record. Where for the past three to four seasons, the joke has been about Liverpool. Even when you're up two or three nil, like you were uh, away at Sevilla last season in the Champions League, like no lead is safe when when it comes to Liverpool, and it's something that I'm preparing for as a Chelsea fan under Sarri, and it's it, it can be pretty stressful. So for you guys to take to do as big of a uh, U-turn and get get to starting your season with two straight clean sheets against not terrible opposition, you know, this isn't like Huddersfield and Cardiff you're opening the season with. These are these are good. These are pretty good Premier League teams. I'll just say about Allison one more thing. He's definitely properly rated. Uh, I don't think there was a few whispers going into the season, like, oh, what if Allison doesn't end up being as good as we all thought he was? What if he's just a one season wonder? I was starting to hear some of those. And he's making 
difficult attempts, difficult takes look easy, which I think is like the main, it's the thing that stood out to me about Czech when we first signed Peter Czech back in 2004, when he was like 22, is this, this young goalkeeper with hardly any experience at this level, who's just coming in and making things look easy. And it's something that I'll give credit to Thibaut Courtois. He did that in one aspect of his game and that he could just dominate an entire penalty area and dominate like any ball that came in to the penalty area. That was something he was great at. Other things, not so much. But you're starting to notice that with Allison. And that, to go from Loris Karius and Simon Mignolet, two players that can uh, cough up a mistake at any second, to Allison, one of the probably three best keepers in the world, that's to add that in the, right behind Van Dyke and his ability clearing those uh, aerial balls into the box that the Palace were trying all day, uh, they didn't really stand a chance to like consistently threaten you guys. Yeah, uh, and speaking of uh, Loris Karius, going on a two-year loan to Besiktas with an option to buy after that. That's good for him. Um, I wish I wish him all the best. Uh, I would have thought it would have ended up in Germany, but I hope the kid can find himself. And uh, he still has an incredible fashion choice, and I still love his dog. What kind of dog does he so, have? I don't know, but it's some type of like husky mix. Things fucking anything that's dude. remotely a, close to a husky is fine by me. I, I'm a. I'll tag you in something on Instagram real quick. Like it's and it's got really cute eyes too. Like it's just I mean, it's like a dog. The type of course, of dog has cute eyes. <laughs> not every dog has like no. Like it's got like the milky eyes. Oh, I'm not sure yeah. what you're talking about yeah, here. Hang, yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm excited. I'll find you. Yeah, I'll find you some. Here we go. I found one here. All right. Uh, so that wraps it up for our weekend recap episode. Uh, go join. I think – can we still let them join the Fantasy League the two weeks in? I mean, I, mean, I, I don't care. Do yeah, go for it. I mean, it's up to them at this point. They're two weeks behind. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a 27-person league. There's a lot of people who are uh, having good weeks one week and bad weeks the next week. So who knows? Maybe we can get back in it. Yeah, uh, so you go join the Fantasy League. Follow us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Andrew Pizarro, at ASMoss92, at Ghost Gold Pod. Uh, we're still working on making. You know what? You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to have Javier on the pod on Wednesday if he doesn't activate his Twitter again. We're making that rule. Boom. Okay, we're holding him hostage. I like it. It's just you hear yeah, that, Javier? Established. Yeah, we know you're listening. You, I mean, you better listen. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of hot takes about Arsenal, so, yeah. Uh, All right. Until next time. See you.